0: Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 13. And we're going to be reading Revelation 13 and verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. We looked at this a little bit in our last study, and we saw that Satan has always spoken blasphemies against God as the word blasphemy means to speak evil, and Satan has fostered this same trait in the unsaved people of the world as well as the unsaved within the churches and congregations. And now, at the time, at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, and this will be the case throughout the Great Tribulation period, it's given him the beast, a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies, to speak evil against, to defame God, to slanderously report against the right doctrines of the word of God. And and we've seen this. We we mentioned this in our last study. It's very evident in the world today and also in the church. And then it says, And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And and once again, this is given to him because it is all according to the will of God. It is the Lord's purpose to lose Satan, to give him this final period of rule for the 23-year Great Tribulation period. And during that time, He will rise to heights, from his perspective, of reigning over the unsafe people of the earth like never before. And yet the time duration is also given. It is not unlimited. Let me read it again. And power or authority was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Forty and two months is a figure that represents a certain set period of time. Now, we know from other studies in the Bible that the actual duration for the Great Tribulation was 23 years. It began May 21, 1988. It concluded May 21, 2011, an exact 23-year period, an exact 8,400 days and here God is speaking of it as 40 and 2 months. It is a set time. It is not great tribulation without end. It, it is not great tribulation just goes on and on, continuing, continuing, and with no final conclusion. No, the great tribulation is a little season, the Bible tells us. It's not a prolonged 23 years. We, from our perspective, is a long time. But in relationship to other times and seasons, like the season of the church age, which was 1955 years, what is 23 years in comparison? It's not a very long period of time. And, and so God gives Satan, the beast, this final rule in order to accomplish the Lord's own purposes and utilizing Him as an instrument of judgment upon the churches and to multiply wickedness within the world, to prepare the world, make it right for the final judgment. And so Satan is very good at, at doing these kinds of things. He's, he's very excellent at destroying and stirring up wickedness, and yet in doing that, he is performing the Lord's will, as God has this as part of his end-time program, and and so the Lord gives him this 42 months. Now, we read in Revelation chapter 2, it says, But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Notice here, it doesn't say the beast, but the Gentiles. Because Satan is typified by the king of Babylon, and the Gentiles are the nations. They, they are Babylon, the unsaved people of this world. And it is given to the beast to continue 40 and 2 months. And it's given to the nations, the Gentiles, to continue 40 and 2 months, wherein they can tread underfoot the court, uh, which is without. And that points to the corporate church. The corporate church is trodden upon. It is uh, ridiculed and mocked and... And, uh, just, just utterly destroyed by this end time assault. And so the 42 months is a figure of speech, a number to represent the duration of the Great Tribulation. And we can't tell what that duration is from these references, but from other information as it's been laid out in many other places, in the biblical calendar of history, we know it's actually referring to twenty three years now um, let's just turn to Daniel eight to read something important as we're reading all these things about the beast and and uh, and this power that is given to him. It says in daniel eight in verses twenty three and twenty four and in the latter time of their kingdom when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance. And that king, again, typified by the king of Babylon, it's referring to Satan. And this is his final kingdom, that that seventh head. And a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. Now that's important for us to um, realize and and to remember that yes, his power, the beast's power is mighty. And as it says here in verse 5, at the beginning of the verse, there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, and we we can just see the evidence. The whole world uh, in it, it has gone crazy, and it's all a testimony to the power of the beast at the time of his final loosing, as sin has increased to just incredible degrees in the world, and and the world has lost sight of common decency and morality in so many ways and this is all testimony that god has done what he said he would do when we get to the end of the church age he will loose satan and satan will rise up out of the sea the depths the bottomless pit as the beast come against the camp of the saints and make war with them, and and again we have that evidence when we we first learn in the Bible, and then we look out at the church, and we see just a a devastation. When we look at the corporate body, it just has no faithfulness any longer. It it is completely gone. The church was killed. The two witnesses were slain, and. The, the testimony of the word of God within the congregations ended many years ago. And now there's just a shell, just a name of Christ, the name of God. There is no spirit of God within the church at all. And so th- there is this tremendous wickedness that has overtaken the earth. And it, it's stunning when we just think of several decades ago and compare the two times or times past the change is stunning and and so God wants us to know and and that's a very important verse in Daniel his power shall be mighty but not by his own power this is the will of God and you know that really should comfort us it It should encourage us, yes, uh, living at this time in the world that has been given up and over to sin, living at a time when the church age is over, and living as an individual out in the world, in Babylon, and living through the Great Tribulation, and now into the Day of Judgment, is certainly wearying. And very tiresome. It it is extremely spiritually troubling to the child of God to live through these days. But it is also comforting to know that things are not out of control. That they're not under Satan's power. That these things have happened not because of his power that we see this display of but because of God's power. And it's all according to the wisdom of God. The plan of God is being fulfilled. It is being worked out in precise detail. Just think that we can read 2 Thessalonians 2 that speaks of a falling away first before the day of Christ. And we know it's not... That we wonder, oh, I wonder when that will be, and what that will that'll be like. But we know absolutely that that has happened. Or we can read Romans 1, where God speaks of giving man up, not the church, but mankind in the world, to certain wicked sins, such as the sin of homosexuality. And we can know absolutely, that's not something that's going to happen a hundred years from now, and, and we wonder, well, I wonder what sort of society that would be. All that speculation is taken away. We know without any question, it is this present world, this present generation, this present society, that Romans 1 has always spoken of. When it speaks of giving man over to his sin and to his wickedness. And we can read Matthew 24 and where God warns of, uh, false Christs and false gospels and, and the abomination of desolation. And we can know absolutely we, we read the words and we don't, uh, think. I, I know true believers no longer Wonder and think, well, will that be fulfilled um, down the road will will that come to pass uh, maybe in my son's time and and previous generations of believers would have thought that way and we don't we know we can go in depth and tell you exactly what the abomination of desolation staying in the holy place means. We can tell you exactly what God means by fleeing to the mountain if you're in Judah and, and so on. We can go into depth in these matters because they have come to pass, which can only mean, and our wearisome days and nights of going through this maybe has caused us to just be cast down as we think oh this is endless it's just ongoing and ongoing but these things mean when when we can see the literal fulfillment of them in second Thessalonians 2 or Matthew 24 or Luke 21 when we can see that immediately after the tribulation the sun is darkened and mark 13 24 speaks of those days after that tribulation, the sun is darkened. And we can know that we are living in those days after that tribulation. You see the progression within even a chapter like Matthew 24 or Mark 13. And those chapters are the chapters in which the Lord Jesus is answering the disciples' question, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And we have moved well into those chapters and progressed within the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ, the indicators that the Bible gives. You can look for signs as long as those signs are in the Word of God, the Bible. Like the sign of the prophet Jonas, you need to read the Bible to understand that sign. And when we look to the Bible, all the signs are not only in place, but they have been fulfilled or are presently being fulfilled. In Luke 21, it says in verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now here it doesn't say that the sun is darkened or the moon is not giving its light or the stars are falling. It says simply there are signs in the sun and signs in the moon and signs in the stars. And, well, what does that mean? Again, a sign is a biblical teaching or you can learn truth from going to the Bible if you want a sign. And in order to understand the sun, moon, and stars, we turn to the Bible. We see it relates to the light of the gospel going out in the day of judgment. And we've learned that from the Bible. And that itself is our sign. It it is a sign God is giving us that, look, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. uh, Continue on. Lift up the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet keep on going trusting me the word of god trusting the lord jesus christ patiently waiting though he tarry he will not tarry and you are right on course and just look around look through my word into the world around you. Look through my word into the church around you. And, and has there ever been a world like this that has been given over to sin to the degree of this present world? No. It is certainly without parallel, without precedent. The world has never in all of its history been like this. Has there ever been a church like this, given over to iniquity, given over to um, false gods and and to high places and and to false teachings and doctrines. No, never in the history of the church age has there been a church corporate like this church corporate, and does it agree with? The nature of the world before God brought the flood. Of course, that was just a, a small world of a handful of million of people. But yes, the world, God says, the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually. And then he brought the flood. And, and before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, there was just tremendous wickedness in that city. And we are there. We are Beyond the judgment on the church. And we are in the midst of the judgment on the world. And so we uh, we need to continue to trust the Lord. And continue to trust his word, the Bible. That has brought us up to this point. It has guided us so far up until now. And we need to continue to follow what the word says and, and allow it to guide our steps. All right, going back to Revelation 13 and into verse 6. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Well, as, as we have already discussed, Satan has long been set against God and has spoken evilly against him throughout the course of time. And of course, at the time of the end, this is increased. There, There is great increase in blasphemy. And that word means to speak evil against. So Satan blasphemes God. He speaks evil against him. And he encourages and stirs up those within his kingdom of darkness to do the same and not only to blaspheme against God, but to blaspheme his name, and and what has the name of Christ, the Christian church. And that was a major target of Satan. That's why he has come against it. If it was the name of Mohammed, or if it was the name of Buddha, or if it's the name of some other religion or, or sect, then he would not target it. It would not be the object of his wrath, meaning Satan. But since it carries the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where Christians are. And within the church, there are Bibles. And the Bible, of course, carries the name of God. And so Satan... In perverting the doctrines of the churches, he blasphemes God. Satan, in making the church and infiltrating it and sowing tares amongst the wheat to the point that he can then have his people, his emissaries, as ministers of righteousness... And, and being the ones who are the authorities in the church and the ones doing the teaching of the church that is, is not the truth but lies, then Satan can turn the church into something vile and something ugly in the sight of the world and the world can then see the church's hypocrisy and The church can become an object of the world's wrath, where the world begins to speak evil against it. And and by the way, this is one reason why a child of God, a true believer, would never want to revile the church. We can share what the Bible says. The church is under the wrath of God. The church is uh, in error on many points of doctrine, and God's Spirit has left and, and yes, we can share the information that the Bible reveals of God judging the church, but we ourselves never want to target the church with our speech and start reviling it and speaking evil against it. No that's what Satan would want. We have to have respect, a good deal of respect. For the church because it carries the name of Christ, even though Christ is no longer present. Still, it's called the Christian church. Still, they maintain a relationship with the Bible, and so we must respect that and never speak evil of the church or revile it in any way in that sense. We we never want to do that. That's sort of like when Saul came after David, King Saul, and Saul was trying to kill David. David was the true believer, and Saul was not. He he was a, a king of Israel, and yet he was not even a true believer. And he persecuted David and continually pursued him with the intent of killing him. And yet when David had opportunity, he dared not stretch forth his hand against Saul because he was God's anointed. And it didn't matter that Saul wasn't a true man, that he wasn't a good man. He was still in identification with God as God's anointed. And, and that's how the church is. They were once anointed by God, used by God to Accomplish God's purpose for almost two thousand years, and we need to respect that and not speak evil of the church in any way. Well, um, Lord willing, when we get together in our next study, we'll we'll continue looking at verse six and into verse seven of Revelation chapter thirteen. Thanks for joining us for E Bible Fellowship's evening Bible studies.